Hello, good afternoon, Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast and Video Series, where we talk about digital marketing strategies and tactics to help grow your business. Today on the show, I am joined by my man, Lucas D from Dark Room. Uh, I'm gonna let uh, Lucas tell you his last name because I will absolutely just murder it. So I will not do that to you, my friend. Lucas, welcome to the show. Tell him your last name. Michael, thanks for having me. For everyone who's listening, it's Lucas DiPietrantonio. So I understand why Michael <laughs> sort of refrains, but yeah, thanks for having me, Michael, appreciate it. That's cool. Man, you guys at Darkroom, you guys are doing some really cool stuff, not in the dark, but literally in the light of the internet world. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of your background and then some cool stuff that you guys are working on, just so the listeners have an idea of, you know, kind of what your sweet spot is and, and what you guys are involved with, because you, you got some pretty cool stuff going on. Yeah. Um... So yeah, me and my co-founder, uh, Jackson Corey, we founded Darkroom uh, three years ago, almost three years ago now. Um, we're both entrepreneurs. We've had multiple ventures in e-com and um, software, actually. Uh, we're right now the fastest growing agency in LA. We've really uh, carved out a niche for ourselves, particularly in the e-com market, but we're serving two major functions, launching and creating brands. Um, and growing existing brands uh, and businesses to maturity through whatever sort of KPIs that they have. Um, but yeah, our model is, is I would say, pretty unique compared to other growth agencies in LA and across the US. We're brand-backed, brand-focused, um, and we're fully uh, vertically integrated. So we have four divisions, brand team, digital products, creative production, and growth marketing, and it allows us to really serve all of our clients in a uh, interdisciplinary and comprehensive way. Nice. Very nice. Well, I think it's, um, you know, maybe slightly different than some of the guests who have been on the show, Lucas, your, your expertise in e-commerce, uh, like you said, is really extremely meaningful and important in a time like this where, you know, as an agency, we've got over 150 websites on our servers and clients that we work with. And oh my gosh, in the last 18 months, the, uh, the, the usage site traffic has increased probably 30%. And you see that same report uh, from other data centers, you know, whether it's Amazon or, you know, uh, you know, data centers like Cloudflare. So people are definitely shopping online, whether it's, you know, consumer lack of confidence in going out to physical stores, you know, as it was, you know, as a result of the pandemic. Um, so now more than ever, really understanding what it means to launch a brand, especially in the e-commerce space. I think what you guys, you know, have seen, there are some, some things to avoid. And, and it really starts with first making a big decision of, Am I going to be sort of in this marketplace, sort of Amazon, or am I going direct to consumer or DTC, as we like to call it? What are your thoughts on just getting started in launching? Yeah, I think it, it's really dependent on, on the brand and the products. We definitely think there's a sweet spot for certain direct-to-consumer brands in terms of whether they can be successful on, on platform and 
building the relationship with their customer. I think there are certain products that are specific, you know, they're Amazon products and they might be incredibly successful there. Um, as a founder, I think you need to constantly be thinking about like, okay, what's my goal? Um, what sort of brand am I trying to do? Direct to consumer is, it's an information and data play. You want to own the relationship with your customer. You want to acquire their data so you can communicate more effectively to them in the future. Um, and that becomes a source of recurring and uh, potentially recurring revenue for you or just a source of lifetime customer value. Um, so I think, you know, when we talk with founders, we're always evaluating whether our relationship together is going to be successful. At Darkroom, we go through, you know, 40 brand launches in a given year, and they're pretty high profile ones too. Um, there's a lot at stake. You know, oftentimes these companies are venture backed or they're bootstrapped. Um, they need a marketing partner who really cares and knows what they're doing um, and can take them to market confidently and project you know, financials and growth results. Um, but what I like to start with when I'm consulting or, or talking to any sort of founder is thinking about like, okay, what are the inputs that make any direct-to-consumer brand successful? Because there are certain criteria that you need to have in order to make D2C a viable channel for you. Um, you know, I, I go through those and I think, you know, one is like having a high AOV, um, which is average order value. And there's a spectrum here. You can have a lower AOV, but maybe a higher product velocity, meaning more people purchase it on a recurring basis. So you can justify a lower margin on direct to consumer. Or you have a high average order value, you know, $350 uh, luggage. I'm wearing the Floyd hat. Um, they do luggage. They're pretty expensive out of, out of Germany. Um, and maybe someone buys that once every two, three years, and you have a much longer purchase cycle. Um, that's fine because you could probably justify it off of your first time acquisition. So I think those two are really big points. Other things that I think about are like, okay, you know, do you have low customer service requirements or low return rates? And oftentimes that's influenced by the type of product you're selling. So if you have a high uh, velocity product like subscription, you might have more uh, customer service that you need to invest in. Um, so those are things that we sort of consult with founders and try and figure out what the sweet spot is for making direct-to-consumer work for them. Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to back up just for a minute, Lucas, and have you, you know, kind of unpack just a little bit more. Like, I feel like there are a lot of brands out there, you know, obviously you, you're, you, you know, you've worked with a lot of different ones. I mean, you guys are doing some stuff with, Dwayne uh, Johnson, The Rock. I mean, you guys have done some really high profile uh, work. But so do you have situations where you have a brand who maybe wasn't because like I don't when I think of Dwayne Rock, like I, I'm not thinking like that. He's like an e-commerce guy. Like he makes movies. He has a he has a brand. He has a brand. Anymore, What's that? <laughs> not anymore. I mean. I know, I know, but give me, follow what I'm saying though is is that you will have brands who who have recognition in another space, but yet they're thinking about entering the direct to consumer area and leveraging their brand equity in this other space, right? But you're having this this conversation with them about let me let me make sure you know that this is a good idea or a bad idea. Yeah, and you see that all the time, right? Like you see 
and this is like actually very interesting about uh, working with celebrities and they, they and you know people who are just are in different industries right like they might perceive their influence um, and they, they oftentimes have great influence right they have a fan base but like the unit economics of the business they want to start might not make sense for a certain channel um, you know if you're selling toothpaste online and it's a low average order value product like it's sub ten dollars and you're thinking about acquiring customers like you have to think about shipping costs advertising costs like at the end of the day that 10 bucks might not might not equate to a profitable product unless or a profitable business so there's things like that um and then i think people miss they miss they, they un- miss they underestimate the importance of brand so celebrity i think you have a personal brand right that has a lot of a lot of weight then you have the brand of your product um, and your company, and if you underinvest in that, I think you're really leaving money on the table in a lot of instances. And that's part of our model. So we have a specific growth model. It's different than other uh, performance marketing agencies who operate in the e-com space, who are like, yeah, we'll run your ads and and you know run them profitably. We always start with brand. Do brand diagnostics. Um, me and my co-founder are brand guys, um, and we try and start from from square one to make sure that we're uh, taking care of any perceptual issues that might be happening on the consumer level before we even start to invest in in marketing initiatives that might be throttling our ad spend if we hadn't done that exercise otherwise. Right. All right, so let's 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 jump back to you know sort of these core must-haves when we are launching a brand and we're you know really going heavy into the e-commerce space with our product. What are what are the core must-haves? We talked about you know what is your average you know value versus you know that volume of sales. I think I think you kind of painted a really good picture there with the toothpaste example um you know it's hard to have a profit margin on you know that lower price point but talk to me about this subscription concept because i feel like in the last you know half dozen years or so um you know to mind dollar dollar shave club you know i mean they're doing it at a massive right like six bucks or eight bucks a month in you know they're shipping you these you know, razors and, um, you know, it's worked well. Now I see other brands picking it up, whether it's, you know, Naked Wines or, you know, I mean, there's so many other models out there that are doing that, you know, sort of product subscription. Talk to me about how that's different now. I mean, I think, I think it's just, you know, depends on the sort of founder and company you're starting and like how you want to take your business. Like, you know, Dollar Shave Club, they raised tons of venture money, like 150 mil plus, like, and they can justify the subscription because they're getting economies of scale and they have a lot of money to invest in customer acquisition. And they're also serving like a pretty basal need. Like you need razors, you need shaving equipment, and we're just going to make sure you have it on a monthly basis. Like the subscription model works for that, right? And then it's just a question of, okay, what's our burn rate and how much capital are we going to need to raise to make this work? And 
based on the ambition of the founders, they made that happen, right? But they invested heavily in branding too, and their customer experience design. Um, I think they worked with uh, agency out of New York called Jim Lane, um, and they were invested in brand. Um, and you know, it obviously worked out for them, and now they have. You know, they're in retail locations. They're not just direct to consumer. And I think ultimately every D2C brand, um, especially with the pandemic, I, I can talk about the pandemic and how it's influenced e-com and the trajectory of, of retail too all day. But um, I think even with COVID and any D2C brand, when you're starting out, like it's a good beachhead, but like ultimately at scale, every direct to consumer brand wants to be on each channel. You want to be in retail locations. You want to be where the customers buy. Depending on the sort of product, it's just about you know increasing your market share and increasing sales. So um, I think direct to consumer is a necessary part of um, strategy, and it needs to be if you have a brand that's that can be successful there, especially at a time like the pandemic. Um, but yeah, to center the conversation, just to go back to like what those criteria that we look for, it's high AOV or that AOV scale. You want like a, an AOV threshold, um, a high repurchase rate. The higher, the better, obviously. It increases your LTV or lifetime customer value. Um, low customer service or low return rate. Um, and then I think you need to have like a branded advantage, like a branded product that can be differentiated. And, you know, that's why you go direct to consumer to, tell your story um, to get people involved in your authenticity. Like that's all about brand. Um, and then I think the last piece, and this is just in terms of like your growth potential as a company is like, what it, does your product suite look like? What ancillary products can you introduce that are going to be complimentary and you're going to be able to upsell? Nice. So um, I think what we, the, the sort of this, third bucket that we want to kind of move. We've talked about sort of, okay, you know, what, what do we need to avoid? What are the must haves? Now it's time to actually go to market and we're thinking about, you know, sort of brand placement and positioning in the market space. What are, what are some of the real, you know, strategic things that we need to think about? And I know it's different for every different line, but are there some sort of core tenets that, that you could talk about? Um, yeah, in terms of like how you want to be positioned in the, in the marketplace, I think for, you know, I think it, it depends on the, uh, on the product. Definitely. Um, you always want to be thinking about your perception and, and how people are thinking about you. But I think, um, one of the most underrated things, and I think this is a little bit off topic. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Um, I think packaging is just so underrated. It's so important. Yeah. Um, just in terms of like how you want to be positioned and recognized. Uh, I talk about we spend so much time designing packaging. Um, and I think you see this with brands like House, like the direct consumer aperitif brand. Like that bottle is an ad in itself. You know, like if you see it, you're like, what is that? And it's a talking point, and that can be a source of just network effects in itself. So um, I think packaging needs to be a part of like your, your positioning, your branded advantage. 
Um, but yeah, I think direct to consumer overall, like we talk about, it's a relationship game. It's mm. owning the conversation with, with my customer and and figuring out what's going to be the best way to communicate with them. Um, and you see this with you know direct, it, and it depends again on your business model. But like you know, one of our clients, Verb Energy, uh, they have uh, a subscription based business on the topic of subscription, uh, they do subscription caffeinated energy bars, um, and they have a proprietary technology, like text-based tech, um, where they, you know, text people, it's very conversational, peer-to-peer, like, hey, how did you like your order? Like, do you want more, you know, bars? And people can just text in and be like, yo, change my flavor. And it's super fluid and conversational, and like, that's a serious advantage to direct-to-consumer. That is the purpose of owning your relationship, and it's just a source of serious competitive advantage for them. Because what other brands doing that? Cliff Bar is not doing that. You know, another energy bar. You can only buy those at the store. With Verb, I can actually have a relationship with this brand. This brand's actually becoming more human to me, mm-hmm. um, and I can reorder them when I want just off a of text. That's great customer experience in my mind. Yeah, for sure. You know, you talk about uh, packaging. Um, I've got a subscription to uh, BarkBox. I don't know if you've ever heard of BarkBox, but it's uh, it's basic. It's it's basically you know think of like I don't know if you have like Petco or PetSmart where you know in in LA, but you know it's a box store. But okay, so BarkBox is a brand, and they they send you this monthly little box with toys for your dog, right? So they've got chew toys, they've got you know a, a little package of of things, but every month has a theme so like obviously in february everything is very you know heart related you know or valentine's you know but when you open up this box this it's it's like a little party in a box for your dog and you know i think something like that is so you know it does make a difference as opposed to they could just throw the toys in a box you know but these boxes have like inside the box there's like decorations and almost like wallpaper in the box right that has like a theme and you know it's interesting why doesn't PetSmart or Petco or any of the other box stores think about hey why don't we look at this subscription model I feel like that's another you know sort of evolution potentially depending on your market that brands could leverage yeah you've got an in-store traffic already but what if you did create that subscription model and the point that you just brought out was if you're going to make that change you need to think about packaging definitely and it's it's interesting i see brands who right out of the gate they understand the importance and they do it really well um and it pays off dividends. I can't even, you can't even quantify it because it's one of those things you're just like, they did a great job. And like, I, other people see it and it's a source of like excitement for the customer. Um, packaging is so important. Uh, I think vibes is a great example. One of our other clients, um, got an incredible designed bottle and it's like one of the most Instagram bottles. Like you can't pay for that marketing, that organic, like, promotion from just customers who they're not even getting paid. They're just like, let me Instagram this bottle. That's huge. (laughs) And then I see founders who they don't care enough and they make the mistake and then they invest in packaging. And then it's like a whole, it's a whole expense to reinvest in it, 
and you don't understand how like especially for cpg brands it's just so important and like if you have a bad packaging design like it's going to negatively impact sales in a, in, a, in a meaningful way uh, and then redesigning your packaging is always a headache for the founder because you have to reinvest in in those those goods and that exercise and it's a refresh and you know there's a lot associated with that too yeah for sure all right lucas this has been a great show my friend really i think hit some really valuable high points for folks when they are thinking about launching their brand especially through e-commerce and things they need to think about uh let's let's talk about how can people find out more about what you guys are doing at darkroom how can they connect with you guys yeah you know we're, we're hiring for a lot of positions this year um we also are pretty selective with the brands that we work with but um are always interested in conversations. You can definitely find us on www.darkroomagency.com. You can find me at LinkedIn, um, Lucas DiPietroAntonio. I know it's a tough one to spell. Or Instagram at Lucas James. So yeah, those are the three three best ways to reach out to me or Darkroom. Awesome, Lucas. Thanks for being on the show. And guys, thanks for tuning in today on this Friday. My name is Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops. And hope you guys have a great weekend and we'll catch you on our next show.